Hello everyone and welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast, where I, your host Luke Armstrong, talk to you guys about video games. Uh, in this week's episode, I got some news stories for you guys, as per usual, but before I get to those news stories, I'm talking to you guys about my vacation. Now, I know it's not video game related, but uh, I just got back from a week-long vacation and it was great, had an awesome time, but there were a bit of hiccups at the beginning of the trip. And so I thought it'd be a, a good idea to talk about uh, the things that kind of went wrong at the beginning of my trip um, for your guys' amusement. But like I said, I do have some news stories for you. I got some news uh, about the Spyro Remastered Trilogy. Uh, looks like that is going to, the physical copy of that is going to require some download uh, content. And the whole, all three games aren't going to be on the disc, which I'll get to later. Um, got a quick news update on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, I'm going over some game releases that are happening at the beginning of 2019 that you guys can look forward to as well as, as I'm going to go over the PlayStation Plus and Xbox Games with Gold. It's the beginning of August, so I thought I would highlight those for those who aren't aware what those games are. And then lastly, I'm going, last week's question was what is the best gaming peripherals out there? And some of you sent in some suggestions so I'm gonna read a suggestion that one of you guys sent in and I'm also gonna list some of my gaming peripherals and then that's basically the show this week so I feel it's like a long time since I've done this because I've been out of town the last week's episode actually went up when I was out of town so it feels like it's been forever since I've actually recorded a podcast and that's because it has it's been a couple weeks so bear with me if things don't seem as smooth um, just finding my grounding again after, you know, relaxing for a week. So speaking of my vacation, let's start off there. So we, me and my girlfriend Megan decided to go on a road trip and we wanted to do a combination of some camping as well as staying in Airbnb in Nelson, British Columbia. So Nelson is a town, it's a mountain town, there's skiing in snowboarding in the winter but it's also really nice in the summertime um, it's literally right on the side of a mountain it's in the Kootenays it's absolutely beautiful so it's, it's a great place if you have not been there so we wanted to go there but we didn't want to stay an entire week there because that would be expensive so we thought well let's camp you know a night before we get there we'll stay in an Airbnb for three nights and then on our way back to Edmonton, we will camp in some campgrounds on the way back. And so that was the kind of the plan. We were doing it cost effective by, you know, camping on some nights and also staying in Airbnb, which is generally cheaper than hotel rooms. And we have never stayed in an Airbnb before, but we have uh, been checking out Airbnb for a long time. We've, you know, checked out places, but we never actually have stayed in Airbnb. So we finally, we booked this place and we're all excited for it it was a kind of a, wa a basement suite but it wasn't like a traditional basement because the nelson's kind of built on the side of a mountain you can basically access the basement from the it's a walk-in basement and so yeah i'll get on i'll get to the airbnb later because that comes up um but let me start from the beginning so we we leave edmonton and we're staying 
we're trying to make our way down to Pincher Creek and Crow's Nest Pass, which is, which is basically southern Alberta, right before the U.S. border. And we were going to stay in a campground called Castle Falls uh, Campground. It was an Alberta Provincial Park, and we were going to stay there that night and then the next morning head to Nelson uh, via the Crow's Nest Highway that leads into British Columbia. So it's about a five and a half hour drive. Everything's going good. We packed up our stuff. We made it there. And I think we got there around 4.30ish. And so before we get into our, go to our site, we reserved a site. Um, we kind of, there's, we go to like the waterfall part and it's absolutely amazing. So there's this waterfall and at the bottom of it, it's, it's like a, a pool that you can swim in and it, the water is crystal clear. You can see to the bottom and it's probably 15 to 20 feet deep, or at least that's what it looked like. And people, you could kind of jump off cliffs into this uh, area of water. So we're like, this is awesome. This looks really sweet. And so check that out. Then we went to our reserve site. And so we pull up and we see that there's somebody set up in there. And it is like four o'clock checkout time and the provincial campgrounds is 11 a.m. So we're like, well, what the heck? And so no one's around. There's a tent set up kind of half set up I would say and there's a car but we don't see anybody so we're like well this is an irritation we want to you know get our tent set up and get situated at our site and so you know we go back to the falls we, we kind of wait for a bit and then we come back again to see you know if the person had returned and there was two girls there and so we say hey um, are you guys like reserved here and they're like no are you and we're like yeah <laughs> We are, and so they're like, oh, we're sorry, we'll move. And, you know, it's, I don't, you know, like, I, they maybe didn't know that those were reserve sites, but, I mean, it says clearly that these sites in this one section of the campground are reserved only, so you can't just, you know, first come, first serve. And so that was a bit of an irritation. So we had to wait for them to pack up their stuff, which took about half an hour, and then we finally got in there, started unloading the car. And this campsite is awesome. It's like kind of, it's at the end. It's very private. There's trees. It's right by the river that from the, the waterfall that flows, flows kind of right beside our camp campground. And so we get out our stuff and, you know, we're stoked. We're starting our vacation and we go to set up the tent. And now I've had pretty good good luck setting up tents in the past um, a lot of them have not been very difficult but this was not the case with this one so this was a new tent and again this isn't the necessarily the tent's fault but it was a new tent so we're kind of figuring out how to set it up and we're putting it together and then we go to hammer in the pegs into the ground because the ground is rock and gravel and so I take the back of my hatchet and I go to put in the pegs and they're going in maybe an inch at most and just stopping and bending and the pegs that came with the tent are not the greatest pegs to begin with so it was kind of like okay the ground is really hard but we also have pretty crappy pegs luckily i had five or six really really good pegs in my car that i had just kept in my car and so we got those pegs out 
hammered them into the ground. And even a couple of those pigs, like these are really hard metal pigs. And they were bending. They were going down, hitting a rock and just bending, right? And so we probably went through, we got all, we used all the, the really good pigs, but like I only had six. So that was enough to get the actual tent down. But then when it came to the fly, there were so many, you know, little tags that needed to be pinned down to the ground and we could not get barely any of them in um, because like I said we were using the crappy tent pegs that came with the tent and so we're hammering them in and it's just not working and so an hour and a half almost two hours go by and we're pissed because things are it sucks right it gets hot out we drove for five and a half hours six hours and we want to get this thing set up and have supper and it's just not going that easy and so we're like you know what screw it the fly is not going up and so what we did in case it was there was no chance really of rain or anything like that but we wanted to just in case obviously put some sort of covering over the tent because there was a kind of a, a screen at the top of our tent right and if it rained we'd get wet so we took a tarp and we kind of tied it to some trees and pegged the one side down to the ground and we got it to work. At the end of the day, it worked. And so we finally got the tent set up, but we weren't in the greatest of moods because it was did not go as planned. And so the night went on and we uh, went over to kind of where the waterfall was and the swimming pool. And what was the swimming pool? It's like a, a lake, kind of like a, I don't know how to describe it, but we went over there and there's people over there and there's guys that are kind of like young teenagers and they were jumping off like the cliffs into the pool. And now these cliffs aren't super tall or anything, but you need to jump pretty far from them so you don't land like on a, a rock and hurt yourself on the way down. And these teenagers are doing like, trying to do flips and stuff. And so this one guy, they go to the higher point, the higher cliff, and the one guy jumps and goes to do a backflip and just lands straight on his back. And it sounded like he like split his back open. It was so, the smacking of his back on the wire was so loud. And so that happened. And then his friend went kind of further, closer to the bottom of the waterfall where you know, you can't really see the bottom and there's jagged rocks and, you know, the water is coming down. So it's, it's a white, like you can't see through it. And he jumped off and I watched him jump and I held my breath because I thought for sure he was going to hit a rock and like split his back open. But luckily he jumped far enough out, but he, I swear he missed a rock by maybe three, two and a half feet. That's how, that's how close it seemed. So more more tense situations we didn't really actually go swim because it was so cold the water um but that was entertaining nonetheless watching these guys do crazy flips and so come nighttime uh oh sorry i forgot to mention we missed the firewood um rounds so they deliver firewood to the campgrounds between the hours of let's say i think it's like 12 p.m till 6 p.m someone will come around the campground does not have an attendant on site all the time. They'll just come occasionally and check check to make sure everything's all good. 
And so we missed that. So we had no firewood. So I had to take my hatchet that was super dull and go and chop firewood and use it because we were cooking hot dogs that night for supper. And so we had to have a fire. So thankfully, there was a lot of driftwood by the river by our campground that was super dry and easy to chop up. And so crisis avoided on that. It was kind of a pain, but I also had a lot of fun doing that. And then that night was absolutely freezing because we had no fly on our tent. Um, it was extremely, extremely cold. I had a really crappy sleep, and so did Megan, and it just wasn't great. So the next morning we wake up, we're like, okay, you know, this wasn't how we planned our vacation to start, but let's, let's forget it. Let's go to Nelson. We'll have a great time. So we drive to Nelson again. It's like five-ish hours there and no problems until we pull up to our airbnb that's kind of in like a suburb area in nelson and the our host is not at the location like she's like on vacation or something and so she had sent us a message on how to get in there's a key in a mailbox and so we got a key go into the the airbnb this basement it's like has like a a living room slash kind of kitchen area and it has a bedroom and a bathroom and it looks great but we go in and there is a humongous spider in the bathroom and megan is extremely scared of spiders and so she asked me to kill it i killed it and we're kind of like well you know as we were kind of going we kind of expected we're kind of in a basement BC is known to have lots of spiders, especially in basements. And so we kind of forgave it. We're like, it's fine. So then we load up all our stuff, you know, 15, 20 minutes, get all our stuff loaded from the car into the, uh, the room. And so we start looking around and I start seeing like daddy long leg. I, th- I don't know if they're dead. They looked kind of like daddy long leg spiders, but they could have been something else. And I start seeing quite a few of these. I saw, you know, a couple in a corner, and then I saw like three in a corner, and then I saw a couple in the bedroom, and the mount, I'm starting to kill these, right? And I tell Meg, I'm like, hey, there's a lot of like spiders in here. And of course she's freaking out because she doesn't want to sleep in a place that has lots of spiders. And so I'm trying to like get as many as I can, but it's just like every spot, where I think a spider is going to be, there was a spider. In every corner, under every surface, there were spiders. And uh, in the entryway into this basement, there's like a sauna, like a portable sauna. And I look behind this portable sauna, and I kid you not, there were dozens and dozens of spiders and like just full of cobwebs, like... I, I'm not kidding. This is not an exaggeration. There's probably hundreds of spiders in this basement altogether. And again, I was like, okay, well, this is in the entryway. So there's a door that can kind of close it. But I mean, there's a lot of spiders everywhere. And then I'm like, okay, let me go check the bedroom. So I check the bedroom and I pull a couple dressers behind. And there's cobwebs in between the dresser and the bed frame and like the the box mat the box spring and so i'm like oh man this is not good this is really gross and then i pull pillows back and i kind of pull the top mattress back 
and there are spiders like behind the bed like behind the pillows and stuff and i'm like nope not happening this is not happening whatsoever um it doesn't matter like this would take hours to to clear all the spiders out here right and megan's not going to feel comfortable sleeping in a place that's infested with spiders i don't really even feel comfortable with that so we contact our airbnb host and um, we finally got a hold of her and we tell her like hey like there are a ton of spiders in this place like what's the deal she said we're out of town i sent somebody in that was supposed to go and totally clean the place and i'm thinking clearly they did not because there's no way that it's not like these spiders were hiding in corners and stuff like some of them were pretty out in the open and so uh there was dust and cobwebs everywhere and so we're like you know basically she gave us the option of having somebody come and clean the whole place up for us or we could just get a full refund which airbnb doesn't necessarily do all the time uh, they have like a cancellation policy that if you cancel uh, that short notice, I think you only get like 50%. It, ju it just depends on like the host you have. But she said she would give us a full refund. And so, of course, we're like, okay. So I look at hotels available for tonight in Nelson and for three nights. And thankfully, I found a place that was really cheap, but also a really great rating. And so I booked it. We got out of the Airbnb got refund our money and then from there on out our vacation was pretty good um nelson was great the hotel that we stayed at was great it was right downtown it was in walking distance with all the restaurants and bars and shops which was great um and yeah so the whole nelson portion was really really fun um no complaints from there and then on our way back uh we were going to do camping and so we had decided hey we need some good tent pigs just in case we get hard ground again. And also because we bent like 40 tent pigs on the first night. And so we went and got some tent pigs that in my opinion looked quite strong and uh, were definitely pretty durable. And so I spent like 20 bucks on those. We get to the campground uh, that night, another campground located in BC in the Kootenays and these pigs are just bendy. <laughs> The new ones that we bought and so the ground was a little softer than the first place but again it's just like are you kidding me we can't win like this like especially because these are provincial parks where there's a lot of people half the people are doing tenting half the people just bring in their trailers but there is a lot more tenting it's not like an rv park and so it just blows my mind that you know that's the case and then and then we basically we got as many pigs down as we could some of them were kind of like almost like clamps they're bent uh into u shapes and so we clamped down the pin the the tags on the tent and so that happened um and then the last night uh on our trip we stayed at a campground near invermere and radium in bc and we had actually purchased the really hard like the really big hard plastic like stakes and we got those in and thankfully uh, those were were good and so yeah that was the trip <laughs> I just thought I'd share that story with you guys because in the first two days it just like man nothing was going right for us and it seemed like that everything 
we maybe we just had too high of expectations, but it just it went off to a rocky start. So that was my vacation, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back home where I can shower and I have my own bed and it's warm and there's no spiders everywhere and I can play video games again. <laughs> so with that said, let's get into the video game talk portion of the show. Um, so we got some news for you, but before that, I thought I'd start off by saying what games I've been playing lately um, in case in any of these games interest you guys. So on the Xbox right now, I've been playing a game called The Long Dark. Now The Long Dark is a game that was initially in the game preview program, but um, eventually got a full release. It was on sale last month for 12 bucks, and so I jumped on that and bought it. And basically what The Long Dark is, it's, it's about a, um, a guy who works up in northern Quebec, and he basically... Need, he, he's going on it's a, not really a mission it's some sort of the delivering supplies to a northern community in Quebec and their plane crashes and he basically has to survive with whatever he can and in the cold winter northern Quebec right and so there's wildlife there's the fact that it's freezing there um, which makes it really hard to survive and so it's basically a survival game, but it's split up. There's a story mode that kind of is chapter-based, so you can play chapters. And then there is a survival mode where you can just basically survive for as many days as you can. And so I've started off with the story mode, and I'm almost done the first chapter, and I've already put like five or six hours into it. And so I'm just really impressed with this game because it's not your typical... It is your typical survival game in in the sense that you have to find you know food shelter water um, you got to create fire and that kind of stuff but it's more in depth it measures things like you know when you're chopping down a tree or gathering firewood how much energy that's burning or how many calories that's burning or how much time that will take in your day and so that happens or when you're cooking a meal it'll actually take you know X amount of time for the meal to cook and so it's way more in-depth in that regard. Um, you have to craft things. You have to gather things. You have to basically... All all the basic elements, but to a, a greater degree in detail, I would say. So I've been playing that game. And it's really fun. I seriously highly, highly, highly recommend it for anyone who's into survival-type games. I believe it's for PlayStation 4 as well. Um, and it's cool because it's developed by a Canadian game studio and you know if you're Canadian like I am it's great to support Canadian game developers and so yeah I would I would check it out if that sounds interesting to you I've also been playing Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle on my Nintendo Switch finally picked that up and it's surprisingly really fun I'm not a big Rabbids fan I think they're annoying and kind of cringy but I actually do really enjoy this game. It's kind of like XCOM, and I've been playing that on my Switch, just kind of picking away at that. And then what else have I been playing? I just picked up Dishonored, finally, for Xbox One. Of course, Dishonored came out late, Xbox 360, PS3 generation. But I finally got on board and picked up the Definitive Edition for Xbox One for like 10 bucks. And so I'm basically trying to beat the long dark and get some more progress on 
Mario Kingdom battle, and then I'm going to take a dive into Dishonored. I'm still trying to play Heavy Rain on PlayStation 4, which was one of the PS Plus games last month, and um, but mostly I'm not trying to play too many games right now because at the end of August I'm ready for Shenmue 1 and 2 and Yakuza Kiwami 2 which is coming out at the end of August. So I'm going to be picking up those games. That's three games. That's going to be taking up my time. And then also, I had put on hold No Man's Sky at the library um, so that I could rent it and play with you guys on PS4. We had, I, in previous episodes, I talked about uh, a community play for No Man's Sky this month in August. Now, that is still happening, but unfortunately, I did not pick up the, the game before my vacation so my hold expired and so I got to pick it up again but by next episode I will have a set date where hopefully as many of you guys can come on PlayStation 4 and we can play No Man's Sky that uh, next update with the multiplayer and give it a shot so stay tuned for that I feel like a broken record because I said that last week but it is happening and next month um, probably not next episode, the episode after that, we might announce uh, September's Community Let's Play game. That's something I want to do each month, is pick a game where the games are fun, community can come together and play, whether it's on Xbox One or PlayStation 4 or maybe Nintendo Switch, whatever has the most interest. So you, can make, you guys make sure you reach out to me and tell me about what games you'd like to see for those Let's Plays. Now with that being said, let's get into some news stories. So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, of course, is coming out at the beginning of December. And so Nintendo has announced that a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Direct is going to be making its way on Wednesday, August 8th. So it'll begin at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, um, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and... Basically, this Direct is supposed to be all about the Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So Nintendo puts on Directs all throughout the year. Some are game-specific. They've done Directs on, you know, Splatoon in the past or Mario Kart. Or they've done a monthly Direct where they announce new games that are coming to Switch or new updates for games that are already out. And so this Direct is totally focused on Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And it's supposed to be talking about new game information that we don't know about. And so we got a huge look at Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at E3. We got to see that it's going to feature every character that's ever been in any Smash game. And also the Inkling Kids and Ridley are two new characters for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And so I'm hoping that this Direct is going to kind of hopefully maybe give a couple new characters. I think New characters are something that are going to come for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate um, post-release. We're going to, you know, get new characters added to the game as time goes on. But I think they might announce maybe one new character at this Direct. At least I'm hoping. And I also have a guess that they're going to be and talking more about um, kind of the esports competitive side to it. They are announcing it at... Uh, EVO 2018 um, before the Smash Bros. Melee Grand Finals and so 
it's a, a fighting esports event and so i'm sure they're going to probably talk about some sort of esports focused topic for smash bros ultimate and so yeah hopefully hopefully we see that kind of stuff i'm glad that super smash super yeah, smash bros ultimate is a new game built for the switch and not a port of the wii u version and so i think that means that they can know take the game into new directions and hopefully we get some new looks at stuff that we didn't know about so that is super smash bros i'm excited for that game i can't wait for it to come out uh, i'm pumped for it and now for the next topic i thought it'd be cool to look into the future of games releasing in 2019 so we know basically all the major games that are coming out this year you know we got spider-man next month Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Red Dead is a big one, Black Ops 4, Battlefield 5, um, then Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, the new Pokemon games. Um, those are just the highlighted ones. I'm sure there's a, a there's lots more than that coming out in 2018. But I thought it'd be interesting to look at what you can look forward to in early 2019. There's already some games I have my eyes on that I definitely want to get. Uh, on the day they are released and so in January on January 25th for PS4 Xbox one and PC we have the Resident Evil 2 remake so announced years ago but finally got a, a good look at it just at this past E3 2018 Resident Evil 2 remake looks awesome it's a remake of Resident Evil 2 but it's done in the style of you know think Resident Evil 4 and 5 over-the-shoulder camera and so think of Resident Evil 7 graphics mixed in with the game Resident Evil 2 mixed in with the style of Resident Evil 4 and so that combination sounds wicked I can't wait to check this game out big Resident Evil fan and I will definitely be getting this game Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out on January 29th for PS4 Xbox one probably going to pass on that game or at least wait for it to get a little cheaper anthem okay so february 22nd this is the big day in gaming because uh we got quite a few games coming out uh on this date for whatever reason uh i think a lot of people wanted to get out of red dead 2's way and they pushed they had planned for fall release dates but they saw that once Resident Evil was coming delayed and coming out in the fall of 2018 they're like okay hey, we need to get out of the way of that if we want our sales to go down and <laughs> so they moved it and February 22nd is just the date that a lot of studios pick so Anthem is coming out for PS4 Xbox One and PC this is the games with service type game where you basically are in javelins and look like Iron Man and it's kind of a EA's version of Destiny, that's what it's been compared to. Uh, looks really fun. I think I honestly am going to get this game because it, 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 the gameplay looks great, the graphics look phenomenal, and it's by Bioware. I got to support an Edmonton video game studio. And then February 22nd as well, we have Days Gone, of course, PS4 exclusive. This is a zombie game. It was announced a while ago, and then we kind of stopped hearing about it. And so. We did get a release date for it finally. I'm not sure how I feel about Days Gone. It, you know, the zombie genre has kind of been played out quite a bit. 
Um, people have moved on from that. They're not as into zombies as they were four or five years ago. So I'm not sure how well it will do, especially with seeing that Anthem and all these other games are coming out around the same time. But uh, I, I'd like to give it a shot. It looks fun. It isn't just a clone of The Last of Us. The zombies in it are, come in hordes and they're fast and it looks interesting. So I'm going to give it a shot. And then Metro Exodus, of course, a, another title in the Metro series that's coming for PS4, Xbox One, PC, and obviously, of course, February 22nd. And then Trials Rising is coming uh, for Switch, PC, Xbox One, PS4, kind of a sequel to Trials Fusion. And Crackdown 3, the game has that has been delayed multiple times and maybe we'll never see a release. They say it's coming February, but that is to be seen. Crackdown 3 has had some development issues. They, it was supposed to be released day and date with the Xbox One X last fall, but it got pushed and was delayed and to 2018. Now it's been delayed even further to 2019. And so if for whatever reason it gets delayed again, which I don't think it would, um, it would it will either come out or it'll get canceled. That's my speculation around that. And then in March we have Tom Clancy's The Division Two for PS4, Xbox One, PC. On that's being released March fifteenth, and The Sinking City PS4, Xbox One, PC on March twenty one. So even in the first three months we got a crap ton of games that crap ton of good games that are looking really sweet. But that is just early 2019 you know we got games uh when we go into spring we have rage 2 um we have a bunch of other games that have been announced for 2019 but don't have a specific date uh like yoshi for the nintendo switch the wolf among us season 2 um the surge 2 shenmue 3 psychonauts 2 um what else do we got jump force that's that fighting game with dragon ball z and naruto and all uh, basically an anime mashup gears 5 is coming devil may cry 5 dead or alive 6 code vein battle toads um damon x machina the, the the list goes on these are games that um have been announced for 2018 but they're still you know a ton of games that are going to be coming out next year that we don't even know about yet so I'm pretty overwhelmed on the games that are coming out uh, late here in 2018 as well as 2019 so yeah I got a lot of games <laughs> in my future it looks like now next story we got Spyro reignited trilogy is coming out this September but unlike the full release of Crash Bandicoot Trilogy where all three games were on the disc talking physical copy of course um, Spyro is going to be basically the first game is going to be on the disc and two and three need to be downloaded um, basically from whatever store the PlayStation store the Xbox store whatever you're playing it on and so this really irritated me because I'm of course, someone who really likes physical copies of games because I like to collect them. And to think that I'm buying this game that's called the Reignited Trilogy that has the three games, but only one of them is on it, that, that sucks that 
I'm going to have to basically download two more games that aren't going to be accessible on this disc, right? Once they're downloaded, I can't bring Spyro over to a friend's house and play it on their console, right? I'm going to have to sign in to my account, download those other two games, and that's frustrating, right? Um, I don't know why that's happening, considering that Crash Bandicoot could do it. I mean, those that's a PlayStation 1 era game, but who knows? Maybe Spyro just had... It's maybe because they are... There's a lot more detail and work that was put into Spyro that makes the files just larger, but it does suck that uh, you're going to have to download the other two games. Um, so on... Uh, Game Tyrant, I'm reading this article, fans began bombarding Activision for answers, and in, in a statement given to Game Informer, the publisher seems to view the download problem as a minor issue. In their statement, Activision said that, as with most games today, downloading an update after purchase, purchase is quite common. The language on packaging and on the web is to let players know the requirements for Spyro Reignite Trilogy. Of course, we all want to think that in this day and age, access to the internet is common worldwide. However, some fans raise their concerns, especially those with limited access or those with metered connections. Moreover, it seems that developer Toys for Bob is experiencing a slight delay in the development of the game and would need the extra time beyond the deadline for physical release. So that's what I was thinking, right? When a game's gone gold, it means that it's there's it's on a disc it's ready to basically be sent to the factories to be put on discs right the physical copies are ready to go and they can basically work on the game and release a day one update if there was something that was found after the game has been put on disc and so basically what this is leading people to believe is that they are not quite done the two and three one is polished it's good it's ready to be manufactured but two and three still need some work and more than what could come in just an update and so they're holding them to be digital downloads and i think they have a valid point there with people with unsteady internet connections you know it takes me quite a while to download a fair sized game and i have a pretty good internet connection i can totally understand somebody in a, maybe a remote location who has a certain amount of data per month doesn't want to download two two whole games right they buy physical because they know that their internet can't handle that kind of stuff so yeah it's interesting to me that more more games are doing this we just saw this recently with uh, the Mega Man collection games and so I don't know We'll see. I'm a little irritated, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to be able to play Spyro Remastered, so I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, Spyro Reignite Trilogy launches on September 21 for PS4 and Xbox One. I'm getting it for PS4 because I had it for PlayStation 1 back in the day. Now moving on to PlayStation Plus games and games with gold. Free games for you guys for August. So... It blows my mind that a lot of people who have gold subscriptions on Xbox Live or who have PlayStation Plus subscriptions on PlayStation don't take advantage of these free games that are released to us every single month. Now, sure, some games aren't great, 
but this month you have to download these games. These are awesome AAA games that we basically get for free. And as long as you are a subscriber to these services, you're, you'll get to play them. I mean, you're subscribing to them anyways. Why not just download the game and play it when you get time to it? I still will come back to games I downloaded months ago um, and I'll come back, check them out and really enjoy them and actually sometimes even play them to completion. So it's once they're gone, you know, they're out of the rotation, right? Though they're probably not going to make their way back onto games with gold for like I, I there's so many games that could go on that they're not going to be available for download. So just download them this month. So they're in your library and you can re-download them uh, whenever you want, when you want to play them. So the PlayStation Plus and Xbox games with gold freebies have been announced for the month of August. So it's a high profile month because with games with gold, we have Forza Horizon 2 and For Honor for Xbox One. So Forza Horizon 2 Anniversary Edition is available now while For Honor joins the scheme on August 6th. So from August 6th to the end of the month, you have you can download For Honor. Of course, that's the Ubisoft game. But Forza Horizon 2 is available all month long. So Forza Horizon 2 is an exceptional game. I put tons of hours into it. It's a really fun open world racing game. And if you have a Games with Gold subscription, or sorry, if you have a Gold subscription, Take advantage of this games with gold and download these two games. Uh, for the Xbox 360 games, of course, backwards compatible on Xbox One, there is Dead Space 3 and Epic Mickey 2, The Power of 2. So cool free games uh, on top of those other two as well. Over on the PS4, we have Mafia 3 and Dead by Daylight. So Mafia 3, these are two games I actually uh, have played. Mafia 3 I own, but I've only put a couple hours into it. I absolutely love Mafia 2. Mafia 3 did not grab a lot of people, including myself, and so I'm gonna give it another shot. But again, if you have PlayStation Plus, go and download that. Uh, Dead by Daylight's a fun game. I don't think it has an active community as much as it did maybe a year or two ago. But basically, one person plays as a, a killer. And so they actually have DLC packs where you can play as like Michael Myers from Halloween or Freddy Krueger. And one person plays as like the scary bad guy and then the other people have to basically survive uh, in this environment wherever you're, you're located. And so basically what you need to do if you're a survivor, you need to activate some generators that will open up a gate so you can escape the level and when you're open up the generator or when you're activating the generators it alerts the bad guy where you are and of course um, you move a lot slower than the bad guy does for whatever reason just like in horror movies when the person's running and the bad guy's basically just walking they can catch up to him so that's kind of a cool nod to old old horror movies um but if you're the bad guy of course your goal is just to kill all the survivors and so i've played i like playing as the bad guy of course but playing as the survivor is fun um you you, you got to work as a team for sure to get those generators activated and to be to beat the the boss and so 
it's fun. Check it out if uh, that sounds interesting to you. And then there are some bonus games like Knowledge is Power and Here They Lie, um, Bound by Flame and Serious Sam 3, excuse me, are on PlayStation 3, Draw Slasher and Space Hulk are on Vita. So those are your free games for August 2018. Now moving on to the next portion, the last portion of the show, I'm talking about gaming peripherals. So last week I asked you guys, what are the best gaming peripherals that have ever been released or at least changed how games are played? So to kind of put a base definition for a gaming peripheral, I basically am going to categorize a gaming peripheral as a controller or a device that is used to play games, whether it's on a console or a PC. Um, so not all of them are controllers, but majority of them are. And so Coleman Dean writes in, games are fun. One of the most unique gaming peripherals I have had the opportunity to use was the NES Duck Hunt pistol. I had inherited my cousin's NES and I remember playing the dual cartridge of Super Mario Bros and Duck Hunt. The pistol was a cool way to get involved in a game beyond just the use of a controller, much like an arcade game, and showed that Nintendo was an outgoing company that was and is willing to develop and support many unique gaming peripherals. Have a good one, sincerely, Coleman Dean. Thanks, Coleman, for writing in. Yeah, the Duck Hunt Zapper was probably the most famous gaming peripheral that uh, when we look back at the history of gaming peripherals, that's the one that definitely sticks out to me. It basically brought that, you know, process of shooting into the living room, right? Arcades had guns that you could used to shoot and it, it just brought that to the living room which was definitely not seen before if you think of the games that were played before the nes like the atari and those kinds of home consoles this basically changed how you played the game you could aim a gun at the screen and based on your reactions and your inputs you could change things right you could shoot the ducks on the screen so this was really cool at the time. Of course, we've seen lots of spin-offs of that, but that really is the foundation of um, uh, a gaming peripheral, right? <clears throat> of course, Nintendo is famous for gaming peripherals. They had things like the Power Glove, um, which I don't even need to talk about, but uh, you even think of like the Nintendo Wii or the Nintendo Switch and how they have basically wanted to change the way the player plays the game, right? Not just using a traditional controller, but using ways that make the game more interactive and fun. And one quick note about Duck Hunt. I remember I had bored Duck Hunt from my brother-in-law and he let me borrow his NES and I remember trying to play Duck Hunt and being like, why is this gun not working? And then I totally forgot that it only works on CRTVs, which is how a lot of hardcore retro gamers believe that those games should only be played on CRTVs, like tube TVs. And so, yeah, you can actually play Duck Hunt on these newer TVs. You need one of the older ones for it to work. Now, I kind of thought of some gaming peripherals that I thought changed the game. And so 
I'm going to highlight some of those right now for you guys. And so one of the big ones I wanted to point out was Guitar Hero and Rock Band. So the Guitar Hero controllers, Guitar Hero obviously came before Rock Band. Um, Rock Band brought in the use of the drum kit. And so these basically changed how rhythm games were played. There were rhythm games and music games before that. We had Dance Dance Revolution. We had singing games, karaoke type games. But this really was a new way to play music games. And I was obsessed with Guitar Hero as a kid. Um, to the point where I, I can still play most songs on Expert on guitar. Uh, I recently have brought back those memories by playing Rock Band with my nephews. And um, I forgot just how fun it is and how realistic the feeling is of playing guitar. Um, as someone who plays guitar and playing Rock Band, I think it's a great starting point for, for kids who may want to get into guitar and it's great because they can learn the feeling of holding a guitar, the process of using your left hand for the fingering and the right hand for the picking. And yeah, it, I just I still remember the moment I played Guitar Hero and how I knew this was a big deal at the time. So Guitar Hero um, definitely... Uh, stands out to me as one of the great gaming peripherals. And then I also wanted to give a shout out to the Game Link cable. So this is more of an accessory. I don't know if it's necessarily a peripheral, but when you had a Game Boy, uh, basically the Game Link cable was an accessory for um, the Game Boy handheld systems that allowed you to play multiplayer through uh, a cable. So this was kind of one of the first ways of playing multiplayer from two different consoles, right? System Link came later with uh, the later generation of consoles and, you know, you had LAN parties and things like that. But eventually we got wireless online through the internet multiplayer. And so if we look back at the history of multiplayer game we can look at you know the game link cable and um, it's most famous for being used in Pokemon red and blue uh, to be able to trade Pokemon back and forth so I remember getting one of these cables and trading Pokemon with my sister because of course she had Pokemon red I had Pokemon blue and we would catch Pokemon and this was the first way of trading Pokemon between two players and so that was really, really cool. Um, not only that, there was uh, future, future peripherals that came with the Game Boy systems and the Game Boy Advance systems where you could hook it up to your home console. So there was actually a, uh, an accessory that allowed you to hook up your Game Boy Color to your Nintendo 64 um, so you could play Game Boy games on your Nintendo 64, specifically um, hooking up your Game Boy, your Pokemon games, and being able to play them through like Pokemon Stadium, for example, on Nintendo 64. So you could play Pokemon on the big screen. And that was a big deal back in the day, right? And now we're not too far from that. We have our Nintendo Switch where we can play it on the go and also throw it up on the big screen. So that's something that has continued uh, 
obviously throughout the generations, right? And of course, looking at current day gaming, you can't look past virtual reality. That is what gaming is right now. Um, it's not as popular as I thought it would be. If I went back 10, 15 years ago, that was kind of what the future of gaming looked like, right? Basically putting you into the game where you were a part of it. And for the most part, we're at that now with virtual reality, but it's still not as popular as I thought it would be at this point in time, right? I thought everybody would have these kinds of systems, you know, once they came. But now, as we see, they're expensive and um, the world hasn't quite caught on to them. So I'm interested to see how far virtual reality will go. I really want to get a PlayStation VR so I can kind of be part of that. Um, but that's definitely the direction that gaming peripherals are headed. So with that being said, I want to give you guys this week's question. And so this week's question is, what is the best portable gaming system. So some of you might not be familiar with this as if you've never had a portable gaming system, but I really love playing my Nintendo Switch due to its portability. And it's everything that I wanted from a portable gaming machine. And it got me thinking of like the portable systems I had in the past. And I wanted to know what you guys thought was the the best one or your favorite one um, just to get the thinking flowing um, you know think of Game Boy Game Boy Color Nintendo obviously has a history of handheld systems but Sony also has the PlayStation portable right the PSP um, mo is mobile gaming on your phone the best portable gaming device maybe who knows anyway send in your your submissions for that I'm interested to see what you guys think and with that being said, that is the episode. It was a bit of a longer one with my me rambling about my vacation, but I'm glad to be back recording another episode for you guys. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, whatever you're listening to it on. Of course, you can get Games Are Fun on iTunes, CastBox, SoundCloud, and now, more recently, Google Play. Please make sure you subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to it on. It goes... A long way also if you could share this podcast with maybe somebody that is interested in gaming or would be interested in a video game podcast it seriously does go a long way if everybody listening right now did that it would really help out the podcast um, of course thanks to everyone who always shows their support to the show so next week we will come back with another episode but until then just be the best to you <laughs> Okay, see you guys.